Welcome everyone to episode 33 of the Changemakers podcast with Nicole Calistri, an advocate for the environment-centered design and the co-creator of the planet-centric tech. Nicole is also the founder of the Envision Collective of designers, researchers and strategists who work on producing eco-responsible solutions. Tune in this episode for a deep dive into environment-centered design, the responsibility of designers in the 21st century, the importance of asking what-if questions in the ideation process, and behavioral change. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the Changemakers podcast. It's a pleasure to have you as a guest and share your experience and journey so far. So since this podcast explores change on different levels, let's start with what were the changes in your own life that led you to become who you are today? What were some of the most impactful experiences? Um, Hi, um, Catalina. Um, So I think the main changes that made me who I am today uh, was, first of all, moving to London when I was 19 years old in 2014. it's when I had my very first um, kind of intrinsic uh, motive to change. And that came from uh, the fact that I didn't have enough money to keep buying things at Primark, for instance, or H&M, which were kind of the place for me to go when I was back in Italy, having a low budget and wanting to fit in with friends and family. Um, So being here by my own um, made me have this kind of the first reflection, internal reflection that I had, where I I remember it very well. I remember thinking to myself, like, listen, Nicole, you don't have money. You can't spend, you know, even uh, £5, £10, £20 uh, some at somewhere like Primark. So let's see the let's um, let's uh, evaluate the positives into this. So I was like, well, first of all, I'm not gonna um, waste my time being there inside because I, I used to hate it. So that 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 was the positive. The second positive would have been uh, I'm saving money, and then also. It was always, you know, kind of on the back of my side because everyone knows what's what happens to people that work, you know, in the manufacture, manufacturing of these places. And that was, you know, the third kind of motive. Um, so I think, yeah, that was very uh, interesting. I think about it quite a lot because then it's it's basically it's 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 the reflections within that I, I believe make people change. You know, it's not debating, it's not talking, it's, it's not uh, be right or be wrong. It's it's the, the conversations you have with yourself. So that brought me to then exercise this reflection a lot in the um, course that I did here. I went to the London College of Communication, UAL, and I <clears throat> did my BA in Design Management and Cultures. And... That was really when I started to to understand how things work and what design really is, um, which is basically everything. Um, so the the importance of um, designers to to design the world that we see around and how that impacts people. And I think. The other big thing that happened to me was then during my third year, 
Uh, I was working on a project on paper cups, so I focused uh, my problem investigation on something small like the paper cup that then became so big. Uh, but then throughout the research, etc., I've been I I got really really uh, into all the sustainability stuff, uh, especially environmental sustainability. And that's what led me to look into lots of documentary and, uh, you know, uh, getting into the, the vegan uh, mindset as well. So cutting meat for your impact on the environment. So that was another big, very big um, change that happened to me. And, yeah, I think recently um, cycling. So I'm just cycling around London uh, it's kind of um, it kind of connects with the buying from fast fashion because I thought how much could I um, save in transport uh, by cycling um, so that was it and yeah that, that were the main those are the main changes that happened in my experience. You mentioned that getting into the field of design made a huge impact on you. What is the role of design in facilitating change? And along the same lines, what is the role of a designer? I think, well, obviously, the designer that do have the responsibility of solving problems. But I think it's, it's not quite what designers uh, have, should do. I think nowadays um, the problems that we that we that we um, have to face are actually brought by design. Um, so every time throughout history we wanted to solve a problem, we created something that then you know triggered something else somewhere else. Um, so I think uh, right now the um, the things that designers have to do to, to change that impact that has been done throughout. It's uh, designing cultures. Um, so really designing for uh, behavioral change, designing for uh, communities, you know, bringing people together, having people reflecting around things. Yeah, I think that's 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 the main thing for me now that I've been thinking about it quite a lot. It's not about making things pretty anymore. It's not about it's about like revolutionizing the world of design because we we know what's been going on um, around uh, in, in the finance sector, in you know politics, you know democracies is dead. Um, the the environmental crisis, massive big te technology companies that are basically. Uh, getting us to do what they want and, you know, collecting all our data and selling it off to then, you know, work even more on how to uh, hook people into their uh, devices and ads and whatever it is. The main role of the designer today is to, to design culture. You mentioned that we need to start designing for behavioral change. How do we change behavior? Because it feels like a long, complex process. And most of the people that I talk with, at least, when faced with this statement such as, hey, you need to change something because this is bad for the environment, for example, they become very defensive. So how in your experience should we approach this challenge? 
I think that behavior change, it's yeah, it's the it's the biggest problem that we have because it's so connected to the the culture thing that we were talking before. Um, so if we look at from the perspective of from the context of having a, an environmental crisis, we don't have time to change people's behavior. I would rather give the advice to you know people that are behind the scenes on changing completely the way we we think, the way we do things, the way we design. So it's not the person that it's you know having a can of coke you know that has to change their behavior. It's the processes behind that kind of coke that have to change. And as well, the processes of the kind of coke that goes, you know, into the landfill, for instance. I think we we don't have time to change actually behaviors. That's very personal, I think, for every human being. So if you think about scaling it on a global uh, scale, um, it's. I mean, I might be really um, very not optimistic uh, on the opposite. Uh, but I don't think we can do that. So I think the people that have the um, the tools to to change, you know, things around people, then those are the people that have the most impact. Then again, it's very personal for people to change behavior. So it's more like I use it. I change my behavior, and it's it's very connected to my own personal development. So I put the two things together. They're they're not separate. So to me. Uh, environmental sustainability is my own fa- framework of uh, development and every time you know I, I I do something that doesn't impact the environment you know I and, and do it repetitively you know after a month after two months after three months then I you know I, I say I, I changed you know that's a goal uh, I feel better I recently quit smoking so that for me it's a big thing uh, but it, it all started from an internal question, wanting to, to understand things, uh, wanting to reconnect with things that we completely lost connection. Yeah, that's that's why behavioural change is very difficult in relation to the environment, because we've been completely disconnected with nature, we've been completely disconnected with each other. Um, you are an advocate for environment-centred design. As I read on your profile, uh, can you elaborate a little bit on this approach? Uh, what was the need for it, and why is it important? Yeah, um, so environment-centered design uh, was actually, uh, let's say, the uh, deliverable, the outcome of my very last project at university, um, which was around uh, paper cups. Like I said, so basically, I did this whole. Uh, research around uh, the issues that we have with paper cups and then you know I don't know if you know but they're they're not paper so you can't really uh, recycle them with paper because they have a lining of uh, plastic inside and that lining has to be removed so that that you can recycle the paper so basically every paper cup that we use are not recycled like I think four percent of them in the UK are recycled every year it kind of gave me, you know, the the perception of, of the numbers and the statistics. And, you know, I worked also in coffee shops when I was at university. So I was always uh, handling 
um, paper cups. And it made me so upset. That, that was the reason, really, that I chose that topic uh, for my final project. So during the project, I've been doing all this research around this paper cup and I've been finding out so many problems that are much, much bigger, you know, uh, systematic um, all around the paper cup that I decided, well, I can't really, you know, I can't really uh, design a new cup, reusable cup uh, to solve this issue. I can't, you know, get people not to use paper cups. Um, So I decided to do this basically design management and uh, design and management uh, framework uh, to help designers understand how to design uh, in a way that doesn't impact the environment. And it was very much um, at the beginning, it was was kind of uh, going against uh, human-centered design, but not for um, the human-centered design that we might apply, you know, to get water to a community in somewhere in the world. It was more um, a critique of how we use human-centered design in commercial industries and, yeah, how we might use it to um, understand people's behaviour online and then using that data to get them to buy more, you know, and create these desires at scale that people don't really need stuff, but we make them want them because again they they're not connected with themselves they're not connected to it, you know the world around them that they need more stuff you know to feel to feel uh, good about themselves to feel accepted so that was really my critique on on the method therefore the name environment centered design and yeah i've been trying to use it since i've coined it I had a, a little team of researchers. We've been researching more to define it uh, better. And yeah, the goal would be then really bring, yeah, bringing environment-centered design to practice, uh, especially uh, design companies, because it's very much uh, born from the design thinking line of reasoning. Uh, it's basically design thinking applied to uh the environment where you have the environment at the center of the um, of the problem solving um, process, which doesn't really mean you know deleting people, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but it's it's kind of it's um, it's basically the center of your stakeholder map. Awesome! I really like what you mentioned. Uh, I mean, in the traditional human centered design approach, we put the humans' needs and wants at core and the sustainability of the environment as secondary or optional even. So I really like that putting the environment uh, in the center forces us to always refer back to what would be the impact our solution will have on the planet. Um, In the same context, you created the planet-centric deck. Can you share a little bit what is this planet-centric deck and who should use it? Yeah, Um, so that was a collaboration uh, that I had with um, Alejandro Masferrer, who's the um, he's the founder of Triggers, and it's basically a company that creates a, a, a decks of cards, and each deck has a, a theme, and every deck helps teams collaborate 
better together and brainstorm in an easier easier way and yeah they have they have different themes uh like they, they have the innovation deck they have the machine learning deck they have uh the the, the graphic design deck uh lots and lots of decks that uh, focus on a particular um sphere of creativity the one the planet centric deck is the one uh i created with alejandro and it was quite inter- it was very interesting how the the collaboration started because i was in a workshop led by alejandro in barcelona at the im uh, summit 2018 and we were using the human centered design <laughs> the human centered deck uh to during a workshop and so i got a card Uh, my team um, got this card that said, what if your idea didn't have uh, to make people think? What if it was just easy to do? And then I, I had this comment out loud and I was like, well, that's why um, the world is going like it is, because we're not making people think. <laughs> and then Alejandro was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's actually right. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. And I was like, well, I'm doing this project now. Uh, which is all about environment-centered design, and he was very interested, so he, uh, we kept in contact, and he, he asked if, if we could do a collaboration, and which is what we did, which was very interesting. He was in Barcelona, I was here, same as it's happening right now. So the whole deck has the whole framework of environment-centered design. In fact, I think they can, they can be just a guideline as well, triggering ideas uh, that are other are environmentally friendly um yeah what is the feedback from the teams that applied this planet centric deck the first kind of feedback that i get from 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 teams when they they work with the um with the planet centric deck is that they really um start to understand what are all the the problems uh, involved with uh, you know designing uh, for the environment they realize there are so many things that they don't think about when they um design together and so that was kind of a very positive thing for me because in a way you're impacting on you know people's um minds and you're getting them to think about what they do and then the the second one the second feedback was that they really got excited about designing when you have this in a way constrictions you know uh which are not really constrictions but when you when you say to you know to a designer you really have to think of the materials that you're going to use how they're going to impact the people uh you know around uh where that uh material comes from and how is that material going to uh not end up in landfills um they they get pretty excited because you start getting way more ideas you know and very creative stuff so that's yeah that's another feedback and then i think there's a third feedback as well that's more how i felt uh, about seeing people talking about uh environmental issues when they're using the deck was that they really got determined to 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 solve an issue and to make their idea uh, environmentally sustainable. I do believe that a lot of challenges in the environment are happening because we are not aware about where the materials we use in different products are coming from. 
what is the impact on the farming land and where do they end up so it's really beautiful really uh, to see people to have that uh, aha moment and use that to change something for the better uh, in this deck i noticed that you pose a lot of what if questions uh, what is the importance of asking what if questions and being critical in the creation ideation phase yeah um so the technically the the what if questions are a um, uh signature of of the triggers card so every deck has the what if questions uh and philosophically in a way you need to to ask what if to break through traditions to break through things that are done the same way over and over again the question the what if question triggers that idealistic part of our uh, thinking i might go too philosophical <laughs> but when we're babies our brain is completely like open you know every every part of our brain is open to to the world and to every other part of the brain so we don't have kind of uh societal walls that stop our thinking from thinking that that you know you can't do that or that's too uh high up to do that's not really acceptable in society well they 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 are useful to live you know in society obviously but then when you have to think outside the box they are kind of they're they're very uh not helpful um so the what if question helps i think people you know when they're in their brainstorming uh, session with their teammates and you just ask what if you're you just you know go crazy with with ideas what if questions should be asked by policy makers you know they should all get together in a room and use the triggers card and do policy <laughs> designers are not just designers you know everyone is a designer what do you think are the most crucial changes that we should start tackling right away uh so first of all i do think that when we tackle environmental issues we are tackling human issues as well uh in a way because you know there are there are many social entrepreneurs that are doing great things for communities around the world but they're really impacting the environment so i think if you start with with the environment you then by default are going to serve the people around you but it's a very difficult um question uh because yeah like we said before you can't really get get people uh to change that would be a big help so you need to start from those that are actually that are doing the most impact uh which is you know industry we're kind of blaming it's a big thing you know around the debate you know blaming on each other blaming on people blaming on government blaming on other countries that's something that we see a lot and it's quite a, it's quite a shame because one of the things that led us to the climate crisis it's really division and we're seeing division on a global scale when we talk about that so i think we do have to have a hierarchy of solutions the hierarchy of solution would be industry so the oil industry is the one that we all know is the the, the most uh impactful and then all the other industry the agricultural industry the um, the you know traveling industry transport industry uh, 
I really like that you say industry. For me, saying industry means so makes it so big because if you look at the oil industry, for example, or the fashion industry, which are the two most polluting ones, they have so much power that they are basically stronger than governments. Um, this makes me feel a little powerless, but I guess maybe together we can put pressure on these industries. At least in the case of the fashion industry, we can vote with our wallets. Yeah, that would be a behavioral change, you know, because we, we could stop everything if people just stop, if we stop buying, <laughs> you know. But then that's, that's again, that's behavioral change. We can't really, you know, get into people's minds and let make them understand the impact, of, you know, and the power that we have with our purchases. Because, again, we all think we're so little and small, so we think that our you know, our, our changes are not going to impact well when it really, you know, they do, especially because it's not just one person doing it. There's always going to be someone else doing it. And then everyone is going to influence each other. And then um, eventually there is going to be a behavioral uh, change. It's, 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 really, it's really difficult. And that's why we say this it should come from the industry. So they that have the power, they that have the tools, they have to reinvent the way they do stuff, it's it's, it's kind of ev- the evolution in, in markets. You know, you need, uh, we need to, we have, we have the capacity to change. So we have to get out of that traditional, you know, steady, linear way of thinking and, you know, get into thinking systematically. What is the change or impact that you would like to create through your work? I'm really happy with the way that I influence people already. So I have lots of people that just come to me and they're like, oh, you know, I've, I've, I've cut up meat just because I saw your uh, stories on Instagram or, you know, uh, things in, in my uh, da- daily life. Uh, people, you know, at home, I share a house in London, obviously, because you can't uh, buy a house now. I'm 24. Uh, <laughs> so I have to share. And everyone in my house, they... You know, they always uh, tell me, you know, it's good to have you here because, you know, we might not be vegan, but we're definitely eating less meat and having way more fruits and veggies than when we didn't have you. Um, and, yeah, I mean, professionally, I think you, you need to combine the two, you know. I don't believe in work-life bal- balance anymore. Uh, you know, I... there's no such thing for my generation Um, it has to be it has to be combined Um, so what I try to do at work is what I do every day so I'm very lucky because I also work part time in a company that has my it's very aligned to my values and they are pretty welcoming to every you know everything that I suggest uh, internally, you know, operationally, and on the uh, cultural level of the team, uh, that it's pretty much all environmentally uh, centred. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I hope um, in the future, you know, when I when I get to know myself better, when I get to um, put down uh, a real proper strategy, you know, I can you know get to businesses and help them then do the same with their own businesses. 
Well, this is definitely a great way to influence the people around you by just giving an example and by making them aware of certain things that they maybe don't want to think of. Um, lastly, from your experience and expertise in environment-centered design, what would be one piece of advice for the listeners of this, post of this podcast? What can we start doing today? Well, I think definitely thinking and reflecting, um, which is... It's, it sounds really silly, but it's really what, what, what's going to change the world, I think. Um, I, yeah, I got into reflecting through my course and I found it so silly that I was doing that at the time. <laughs> but then really it's, it's what we all need to understand ourselves because it's from within, you know, it's from us first. The, you know, we have to, to change ourselves, we have to, to fix ourselves first, and then we're going to be able to fix the world. Thank you, Nicole, for this great interview and your reflection on design and how to better approach, um, uh, approach design, the design process with the environment in mind. It was very insightful and inspiring to hear your thoughts. Thank you. It was great, and I hope it's going to help someone. In, in a way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. This was episode 33 of the Changemakers podcast with Nicole Calistri on environment-centered design, the planet-centric deck for facilitating eco-responsible solutions, asking what-if questions in the creation process, and behavioral change. If you like this episode, share it within your community and connect with me on Instagram at change.makers.stories and LinkedIn. You can find all these relevant links in this episode's description. If you are also curious about change and how it affects our society and planet, subscribe to this show on SoundCloud, Spotify or iTunes and don't miss the upcoming episodes.